This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Uh, that intro was amazing. Um, all right. Yeah, my name's Logan. I have been on staff with Campus Outreach for six years now. Uh, I really love what I do. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, we're excited to be here this summer with you guys. Um, but one of my favorite things is to get to talk about the gospel and Jesus with college students. I want to help students understand what the gospel is, what, what it means for us, how it's impacted our lives, how our lives should look different because of it. I want to help college students walk in light of the gospel, living out their faith. And so uh, I'm excited because tonight uh, is really, that, that's really what we're doing. Uh, so um, last week, if you weren't here, Mike talks, talked about sin and uh, But before he did that, he asked you guys to share with someone next to you what you thought exile meant. And he asked you to do that because exiles is our theme. Um, and I like that idea. So tonight, I want you guys, I want to take one or two minutes, and I want you guys, before we even start, to just tell the person next to you in a sentence or a couple words, whatever, how would you define the word justification? All right, that's our talk tonight. Yep, there it is. Uh, how would you define justification in your own words? Uh, or what does it mean? Go ahead. No, that's really good. He hit on a couple really big words uh, that, that I would say too. So I would just say legally. So justification is a legal word. And I would just say that legally to justify is the action of justification. Uh, is to give a, favor a favorable verdict. So to, to declare a person in the right to announce forgiveness in, in legal terms. So uh, it's a legal word referring to a person's judicial standing, okay? All right, sometimes when we're talking about words, I'm not very smart. I think the best way to help me understand a word is almost to look at the Ooh, should have looked this up. Don't know this word. Uh, the opposite of a synonym. Antonym. Should There you go. Proof. Proof right there. Uh, all right. So the opposite of uh, the word. So what is the opposite of justification? I would say in this case, it's condemnation. Okay. So we've heard of condemnation. To condemn is to declare someone unrighteous, to be declared guilty. All right. I think that's really helpful when we're talking about justification. So justification, I ripped this straight off TGC. Justification is God's legal declaration that on the basis of the perfect life and the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, received by faith, a sinner is as righteous as his own beloved son. I don't even think I put that. I did. There we go. All right. Meaning to be justified is to be seen by God, the holy judge. Okay, this is like Logan's words now, shorter, condensed. To be justified is to be seen by God, the holy judge, as righteous. Okay? I can't remember who told me this, but I will never forget this, and I've, I've shared it with some of the students even in this room. To be justified means that God sees me 
just as if I'd never sinned and just as if I'd always obeyed, okay? You have to have both. That's big. We'll talk about that. But to be justified means God sees me just as if I'd never sinned and just as if I'd always obeyed, all right? Um, Before I go any further, I just want to say one quick caveat to this. I am by no means claiming to have arrived in terms of Christianity or uh, even the topic of justification, okay? I am holding very fast to just the gospel in terms of my qualifications for being up here. So I think that goes for all staff and just a good reminder, good plug for anybody that's up here as you guys are hearing these talks. Just remember that, hey, none of us are saying we, we've got it all figured out. Uh, we're, we're happy to kind of share our thoughts on passages and what we think is true. If you have thoughts or if you have questions, we would love to talk to you about them. So at the end of this, if you're like, hey, I think that was heresy, you can come talk to me. I don't think it will be. Uh, all right. So my passage uh, tonight is Romans 3, 19 through 28. And we're just going to break it down into three chunks and, and work through it. Okay. So Romans 3, 19 through 28. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray, and then we'll start. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it, it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for your text and uh, the truth that is in it. God, I, I believe that this is one of the most foundational truths of Christianity, God, and the gospel, that we are justified by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. God, would we uh, open our ears and open our minds to your text and, and what your word has to say for our lives tonight. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, I've got three points. I think they're the next slide. Yep. All right, here we go. Our need for justification is both desperate and universal. All right, that's going to be the first two verses. Justification is only possible through faith in Jesus. That's kind of my main point. That's it's really like kind of an intro point, the talk, and then like kind of an exiting while we're walking out thought. 
Uh, and then third, justification is for God's glory. All right, so that's going to be the last few verses. Um, I'm pro- I don't really know what I did for my slides, so just stay, just stay with me, okay? Uh, but those are the verse breakdowns. So it might be the most helpful if you just pulled out your Bible, if you have one or pulled it out on your phone. It's kind of a long text, and we're just going to work through it if you just had it right in front of you while you're taking notes so you're not trying to, like, bounce back and forth. Um, all right, so let's dive in. Our need for justification is both desperate and universal, okay? I think we see this in two ways in the first in the first part of our text. Every human will go before God, and every human will fall short, okay? Every human is going to go before God, and every human will fall short. That is why our need for justification is desperate and universal. Our text is super clear. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that, what, every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. All right, then a little later, he reminds us, as if we had forgotten almost in three verses, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, and this is our text. Even just a few verses before our text, Paul's referencing Psalms, and he says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, no, not even one. All right, I know last week Mike talked about sin, and I'm not trying to stand up here and talk about sin. Um, So quick refresher. I'm just going to give you Mike's three points. Sin is disobedience. It's any want or action that breaks the norm of the creator. Sin is an intruder. It doesn't fit in the story. And lastly, sin is a parasite. It's literally inside of us. It's not just an outward act, but rather it's, it's a part of us internally and thus affects everything we do. I think the best way for us to understand sin, I think Emily shared it in her story tonight, the first time I ever really understood the gospel and how sin was impacting my life, this guy was talking and he held up a mirror and he said, hey, you were made in God's image. You were made to, when people looked at you, they should look at God and they should see God's glory. Like, have you ever seen on those postcards, the mountains and then the lake in front of the mountains and it's got the, the mountains in the reflection of the water? Nobody keeps staring at the lake, right? They look up at the beautiful mountains that are in the reflection. That's how God has made us. He made us in his image. He made us to reflect his glory. People are supposed to look at us and see God's glory, right? But the problem is our sin. And he took a hammer and he shattered the mirror. And he said, because of your sin... This is now the image that you portray. Man, your image is broken. Your life's jacked up. It's got cracks. It's got missing pieces. And you kind of try to put them back together, but all that happens is you just kind of cut your fingers or it just gets worse. It gets more ugly. Right? That, that's, we have all felt that. Our lives are broken, and it's because of our sin. I think Mike laid that out really clear for us last week. All right, but there's one thing I think that's really important when it comes to justification that we've got to talk about as well with sin. It's not just our act 
or our lack thereof act, but it's also who the act is against that really matters, okay, when we're talking about sin. Um, and so one of the places in Scripture that, and, and who, who our sin is ultimately against is God, all right? And, and why that's significant is because of who God is. And so one of the places in Scripture that I think this is the clearest is with David, all right? So a lot of you have heard of the story of David and Bathsheba. And David uh, is not, not married to Bathsheba. Bathsheba is married to a guy named Uriah. And he sees Bathsheba on the way over, you know, somewhere. And he's like, man, she's really beautiful. And he goes and he takes Bathsheba and he ends up sleeping with her, okay? David is a man of God. He loves God, but he's committed this sin. His life is broken. What I want to focus on, though, is when David is confronted with his sin, his response, David says this in Psalm 51.4. He says, Against you and you only, God, have I sinned. What's unique about that? David has sinned against Bathsheba for sure and, and Bathsheba's wife. And yet, in his repentance, he says, Against you and you only have I sinned. He's clearly sinned against these other people, but it was the violation of God's law that grieved David the most. All right, I think that should be really telling to us. God hates sin. He hates it. And he doesn't just hate it for no good reason. He hates it because he is literally the polar opposite of sin. He is holy, all right? Which, which just means to be set apart. God knows no sin. And so when we sin against a holy God, it's deserving of all the more punishment, all right? I love this uh, illustration, but in 2008, uh, Bush was our president, and I am not one to talk about politics, but Bush went over to Iraq right before he was about to leave, and this Iraqi reporter took their shoe off and threw it at Bush, okay? What would happen if I took my shoe off right now and I hit Zach in the head. What would happen? What would you all do? You would laugh. I would be ecstatic. Zach would probably laugh. <laughs> Nothing really would happen. But guess what happened to that reporter who did that to the President of the United States? He got three years in prison for taking off his shoe, throwing, and Bush was ducked it. Didn't hit him. But he still got three years in prison. That's crazy, but it shows that who the act is against is just as important as the act itself, all right? How much more so does our sin matter because it's against a holy, righteous God? All right, because of all of those reasons, okay, our need for justification is both desperate and universal. I think that is vital to go, before we can go any further, we've got to know that. Because now, we, now it matters. Now, now we really care about how we can attain justification. All right, and that's where the bulk of our talk is. Let's look at it. All right, verse 21 through 25. Justification is only possible through faith in Jesus. Okay? But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 
For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. All right, I want to point out three things from this small text, okay? I promise this is going to be the longest point. One, we are justified by God's grace, okay? I think that's super clear in verses 21 and 22, and then again in 24. Meaning, our justification is more than we could ever deserve favor from God. What is grace? What, what, what does it mean that we are justified by God's grace? All right, Grace is a big word that Christians love to kind of throw around. And simply put, I would say grace is receiving what you do not deserve. Okay, Grace is deceiving, receiving what you do not deserve. So for us to be justified by God's grace means that we've actually been justified by God for something we didn't even deserve. Okay? I think this message is super clear. Just a little later in this book, this same book, in Romans 6.23, Paul literally describes the gospel, the story of Jesus, as a gracious gift. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the gift, you don't deserve a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. All right? So, justified by God's grace, His grace is a gift. Righteousness, the other thing about God's grace that we see here is that righteousness is both an attribute of God, He is righteous, He is holy, but it's also a gift that God is giving. Okay, so we're talking about two different things here. John Stott is this like old theologian guy. He, he, he's dead, but he knows a lot about Christianity, and I really like him. And he says, I love this quote, because this is like my type of language right here. Justification is God's righteous way of righteousing the unrighteous. Okay? Justification is God's righteous way of justifying, of righteousing the unrighteous. God's grace, God is so righteous and He manifests it and gives it, offers it to us. That's God's grace. We don't deserve that. We're broken in our sin. The second thing I see is that it's through Jesus' life and death that God manifests this grace. Through Jesus' life and death. All right, that's right in the center of the, of the passage. Verses 24 and 25. It, it would not work for God to just let us go in our sin, to overlook it. Because that would, that would now change God's character. For God to be righteous and simply overlook or excuse our sin, those two things can't be. That, that would mean He's either unrighteous or he's not overlooking, he's not actually overlooking and just excusing our sin. Like one of the two has to give. And so, therefore, God judges sinners based on their faith in Jesus, perfect life and sacrificial death. God does not judge us based on our own life and death. As Christians, God judges us 
based on Jesus' perfect life and sacrificial death. So justification is through Jesus' life and death. We haven't gotten there yet, but uh, we will all read about Jesus' perfect life this summer in about a week or so uh, in First Peter. First Peter 2, 22 through 23, it says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, that being God. Jesus lived the righteous life that God requires that we could not live. And not only that, but because of his perfect life, when he died on the cross, he died the perfect death that we deserved for our sin. The perfect sacrifice for sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 and 1 Peter 3.18 both explain this really clearly. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then another passage that we'll read later this summer, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That's what's happening in justification. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. All right, it is only through Jesus' perfect life and appropriate sacrifice for sin that we can be made, we can be justified. I want to make sure that everybody gets this, okay? Uh, this is a fancy word that I learned while I was studying this text. It's called impute. Does everybody know what impute that means? I never knew what that meant until like a few days ago. Um, I didn't know what it meant because I just always said, oh, to, to credit someone something. That's, that's what it means. I just never used impute. Um, but there's a triple imputation that's happening, and I don't want you guys to miss this, okay? So it's Adam, first man ever created. Adam, he sins, and he imputes his sin on the rest of humanity, okay? We, we receive Adam's sin, but that's not the only imputation, or impute, I don't know. I don't know the word. Impute. Uh, then our sin gets imputed to Jesus. Okay, so Jesus now takes our sin, and then there's a third act that Jesus' righteousness now goes to us. All right, you, can't, you cannot miss this. That, that's what's happening here. Adam's sin is credited to us. Our sin is credited to Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness, because he never sinned, he knew no sin, is credited back to us, all right? That's big. Romans 5, 18 through 19 says it. And having been, oh, sorry, wrong. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That's the good news. That's the good news right there. That through one man's life and death, we can be made righteous. All right, but there's one last piece to this thing with Jesus, that it's only received by faith. 
okay? It is only received by faith. What Jesus has done for us. And that's in the last couple of verses. Um, the word faith in our text as a whole tonight is mentioned five times, okay? So I'm, I'm not a genius, but any time that I'm reading Scripture, if I see a word repeated that many times in even a couple verses or you know, a chapter, that's going to stand out to me. God and, and Paul in his writing want to make it super clear to us that it is by faith alone that you can receive justification and salvation. Faith is the only instrument of justification. All right. When the uh, disciples are following the, they're following Jesus, and they're they're really concerned. They're like, "How how do we get to heaven? How do we how do we get to you?" Uh, in John six, this is what uh, they ask, and they say, "What must we do to be doing the works of God?" And this is Jesus' answer: "This is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent." Okay. Not that you would go and do X, Y, or Z. That's, that's probably what they're expecting. Like, hey, go do this, this, and this. And Jesus says, no. What you must do is that you believe in him who he sent. In Acts, Paul is telling us about uh, this interaction he has with this jailer, and he, and he says the same thing. Acts 16, 30 through 31. Then he brought them out, he being the jailer. The jailer brings them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's it. Believe in the Lord Jesus and what he's done and you will be saved. All right. Placing our faith in Jesus is the only thing we can do for salvation. This is, I would say, the, the main difference between Christianity and every other religion um, and and i'll I'll be honest, I think that often this is the hardest truth for those who grew up religious to really like swallow is that hey our our deeds or the things that I've done or the the way I've spent my time it actually it doesn't it's not enough we can't make ourselves righteous to a holy God we just can't we're broken in our sin we want to believe that that our righteous deeds or our good works are enough when, when that's just not true. Faith is the channel or the means or the instrument um, by which we receive salvation. So um, faith is the outstretched, empty hand that receives righteousness by receiving Christ. Okay? And that's important because what this means is that it's not even like faith that saved you like don't forget the first part it's Jesus' life and death that saved you faith is the way in which that salvation has been received all right so i've got this is a this is a good illustration i think it works for me also no illustration is perfect okay that's why it's an illustration but go to the next slide all right when you look at this picture other than the fact that that is absolutely incredible if I asked you, who made this sculpture, what would you say? The guy. The guy, right? Nobody would look at this sculpture and say, the chainsaw made that. 
You would say the guy made it. Okay? Faith is the instrument that God is using for your justification. Faith is not what saves you, but it's the instrument that God is choosing to use in your salvation. All right? Same thing here. The chainsaw is the tool this guy is using. He made that whole thing with just a chainsaw. That's amazing. All right. Christ's life and death are what saved us. Faith is the instrument, the tool that God is using to save you. All right. Um, What all of this means, what justification means, is that if you haven't yet, first and foremost, you need to really consider where is my where, what am I staking my salvation on? What am I staking my justification on right now? If you haven't put your justification and your trust in Christ, you need to do that. But secondly, we need to then ask the question, what is justification for? Why, why is God doing this? Why has God justified all of us? And I think that's, that's the last point. That's where we get um, at the end of our passage tonight. So let's look at the last uh, section. Verses 25 through the end. It says, This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. If we were justified by works, or even even the idea of being justified by faith and works, then our very salvation, we would have, we would have something to boast in. We would have something to talk about. But that's just clearly not the case, right? We see in our text, the very beginning, it says, this was to show God's righteousness through faith, Though faith and works do not produce justification, faith in Christ justifies and produces good works. There you go. You can tweet that later. Though faith and works do not produce justification, faith in Christ justifies and produces good works. Okay? Justification and good works go together, not faith and good works. That's the that's a huge misconception. Our text was clear, it's through faith, by faith you are saved, and that produces good works. Our justification is vitally connected to our sanctification and um Reed's talking about that next week, sanctification, the the idea of uh how we are becoming like Christ, okay? There's an important reason, though, for this distinction between faith and works, and I'm going to close with this. Um, A reason that that helps us to understand sort of the purpose of justification in the plan of God. As long as justification comes only by faith, then our justification ensures that all the glory goes to God alone. And if, if we're justified by the saving work of Jesus rather than by our own, works and what we can do then all the praise of our salvation goes to him alone and not to us and i would argue that the goal of justification is therefore that we would just glorify god and i would go even a step further to say that the the whole 
goal and the aspect of the gospel is that we would glorify God. That's why Jesus, that's why God has done this. God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth to live a perfect life and go to the cross taking on your sin and raised him up three days later so that we would glorify God. I think that's the purpose of the gospel. So I'm going to pray. And then I think I have a couple questions. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, I'll ask these first. How has your understanding of justification and what it means to be justified changed tonight? And then are you justified? Why or why not? And I would even I would even add another question into this. What are you staking your justification on? So what 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 would you say makes you justified? All right. So uh, let me pray. And then I think Zach's going to come right on up. Yep. OK. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you uh, so much for the opportunity tonight to just open your word and uh, God learn from it and apply it to our lives. Lord, I'm thankful that uh, you sent Jesus to to save us from our sin. God, that the only way that we can have a right relationship with you is through Christ and his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice for our sins. God, I pray that uh, we would look to the gospel, we would love the gospel, uh, and we would glorify you because of the gospel's work in our own lives. So in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.